One of the earliest Christian symbols on record was actually the anchor. The early church used this symbol as a reminder of their hope in Christ and as a symbol of safety. Here at Apex Church, we've decided to adopt this symbol into our family ministry vision and make it central to what we do when it comes to serving you as a family, specifically in regards to what we are calling anchor points. The whole point of an anchor is to keep the boat from drifting away. If an anchor is doing its job correctly as the waters move or the waves crash or the storms roll in, you can trust that even if the boat is tossed around a bit when the storms have passed, you'll still be able to be close to shore. Here at Apex, we believe that our anchor is found in God and His Word. He is the foundation of everything we do. And God tells us that once we have surrendered to the idea of Jesus being our hope and our Savior, then He will never leave us or turn His back on us. With Jesus as our anchor, we know that we will always be in a safe place with Him. So we want to help create anchor points for your family. Moments in time where as a child grows older, they can look back at their walk with Jesus and have positive markers that remind them of a time when God's love was clear and great and familiar. We want to accomplish this through three very specific areas that we think every child needs. Confidence, community, and contribution. Confidence helps to create the sense of security that we all need. And throughout their years in our family ministry, we want our kids to be confident in their relationship with God, confident in God's word, and confident in themselves as image bearers. Kids of all ages struggle in this area immensely. There's constant pressure to be perfect or to look their best when they are out in the world and amongst their friends. We want them to realize that their confidence is not found in the way they feel, but in the truth that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by a God who loves them as they are. And his opinion never changes. Community is one of our strongest tools in helping a child grow. Each week, as families come together to gather with each other, we want each kid to know that they are loved and accepted by a body of believers in their local community. Starting with our infants and moving through our graduating seniors, even into house churches and beyond, each child should know that Apex is a part of their community. Beyond that, we want to remind our kids that loving God and loving others is important. In a community, we get to learn how to give of ourselves, our God-given gifts and talents, to help others grow more confident in Jesus as well. And they will need this spiritual community as they get older, and life starts throwing more waves and storms at them. Contribution is more than just giving back to the church. It is all about following God's call to be light in the darkness here at home, around our city, and into the world. As students grow more confident and experience community, we want to encourage each of them to follow that call by giving back. This could be serving as collaborators in our children's department, serving on a local mission project, or using their talents in the arts and music to fill a role here at Apex. Because of what God has done for us, we should want to do the same for others. Our vision for family ministries is that every child we engage will grow in their knowledge and belief that Jesus Christ is their anchor and foundation, and that they are given these anchor points of confidence, community, and contribution to help them remember who they are when the world tries to convince them to be something else. We also want to help you as parents to realize that your child is on their own journey, and it may not look like someone else's journey. And that is okay. You aren't going to be a perfect parent who raises the perfect kid. Parenting is a messy responsibility, but acknowledging that truth can give you freedom and it removes a lot of the guilt and shame that you might be feeling. We are here to support you and together we will give each child an opportunity to grow into who God desires them to be, which is ultimately his child.
think we agree with that, don't we? That's very good. Very good. Erin, why don't you come up and join me here? So this is Erin. She's the leader of the um, family ministry team. And um, we're going to just have a little chat uh, right now, just before the sermon, because Erin, when you think about the obstacles to parents discipling their children, what would you say are the, the big ones? So as an FM team, um, you know, we're all parents ourselves of small children, and, and we acknowledge that this last, especially 18 months, has been really challenging yeah. for families. Families feel overwhelmed. Things are constantly changing um, at home, at school, at work. Um, kids' lives are constantly changing right now. So we recognize that parents are overwhelmed, and sometimes discipling their children feels overwhelming. They think it's something they have to add. It's one more thing that they have to do to get the right Bible study or have their children in the right group. Um, but we acknowledge the reality is it's, it's a lot more simple than that. Mm-hmm. We encourage families to kind of get back to the basics of simplifying and finding time in their life to do those simple spiritual disciplines of praying and getting into God's word together and just carving out that time and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work in your child's heart. We like to say that more is caught than taught. So kids are great mimickers and they see what we do. And if we are getting into God's word they, they'll get out their Bibles and they'll start getting into God's word as they see us doing that and as we pray. So they will do as we do and take that time, invite your kids into those spiritual disciplines you're doing, invite them into to see God at work all around them. Mm, that's really good. And anything particular uh, that you think as we kind of live in this post-lockdown world, mm-hmm. anything that you think that we need to be thinking about by way of rebuilding those, those patterns and pictures in our lives? Yeah. I think rebuilding patterns is really important Mm -hmm. because we talked about this a few weeks ago that um, everybody's patterns have been flipped upside down and you kind of are trying to find new structure to your day. So do something very simple. Just say, I'm going to take five minutes before I go to bed and we're going to pray together with my, I'm going to spend time praying with each of my children. Or pick a a song, pick a psalm, an old um, hymn that you want to learn as a family. I know that sounds really old fashioned, but it's it's a lot of fun. I'm doing it with my boys this month. you know, find a book and just, just do it in the morning before you leave the house or spend time in prayer or go through the Proverbs together. Just pick one small discipline and start with that because mm-hmm. you'd be amazed what God will do mm-hmm. with that faithfulness of just that one small thing. Fantastic. Erin's an amazing leader and the team's doing a fantastic job. I'd like you to show your appreciation. So um, there's a black Honda Civic on the north side of the building. H, I'll say it American way, ZZ4278. And um, I don't know whether they're a ZZ Top kind of aficionado, but certainly the Honda would suggest that. Your lights are on and your car won't be able to drive home if you leave them on. It's all right, it's not a shaming moment. It's just an opportunity for you to go and get it. Okay. Great, so we're going today to look at what it means to be adults who help in the discipleship of children. If we're parents, of course, of children, however old they are, our task, our responsibility, our calling, just by the fact that we have children, is to disciple them. If we have grandchildren, we have, of course, the same responsibility and calling towards them. And if we're adults in the church, and we recognize that there are those who are spiritually younger, 
or biologically younger than us, the responsibility falls with us also as being part of the community. And so today I'm going to read to you quite a long passage from the Old Testament, from 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to look together at the ways in which we can help those who are younger than us be effective disciples of Jesus. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. And I'll just take a quick swig of my gin and tonic before I start. Verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night... Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God was not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. If you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. A beautiful story, a story many of us know, a story that many of us are familiar with, a story that gives us some reference points as to how to train the younger generation, the children for whom we are responsible in how to hear the Lord. 
And you may be saying, well, it seems as though that's an advanced state of spirituality to train a child in how to listen to God. Surely we should be doing other things that are more important. Well, to place this in context, it's important for us, of course, to bring the story forward to Jesus. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of chapter seven of Matthew's Gospel, right around verse 24 to the end of that chapter, gives the, the final, the, the, the concluding parable that kind of underlines everything that Jesus has been teaching his disciples in that seminal sermon, that most important public declaration that any human being has ever made since the beginning of time. This is the most important sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of the most important sermon that has ever been heard, the most important parable is shared at the end of the most important sermon. And the parable is this. There is a foolish man. There is a wise man. A foolish man hears the words of Jesus, but does not put them into practice. The wise man is the man who builds his life, his house, his household on the rock. And that person hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. Jesus is teaching his disciples and he wants them to hear the ultimate description of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and the ultimate description, the, the complete picture is a disciple of Jesus is a person who listens to his words and puts them into practice. And so if we are to train anyone in being a disciple, we train them in how to listen and we train them in how to put to practice what they hear. So this is enormously important and not something that we can leave to adult life. It's not something that we can leave to obscure spirituality lessons, perhaps in adult Bible studies. This is something for all of us. Peter on the day of Pentecost says that the spirit who was given to only a few in the old covenant is now poured out upon all of God's people and all of God's people, men and women, young and old, will be known as prophets. Not prophets in the office of the prophet like Samuel or Jeremiah or Isaiah, but prophets in the sense that they have the capacity to hear the voice of God and to put into practice what it is that they hear. So this is the birthright of every Christian. Every Christian has resident within them the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who was given to only a few in the Old Covenant has now been given to all because of the work of Jesus and his return to heaven where he and the Father sent the Holy Spirit upon all of the followers of Jesus. And because the Spirit is resident in and upon every follower of Jesus, all of us are able to hear the words of Jesus echoing within it may be in different ways that we hear, we'll talk about that in a moment, but certainly everyone will be able to hear 
This is how Jesus puts it. He said, I'm the good shepherd, you're the sheep. My sheep hear my voice. John 10, 27, the only qualification, the only qualification for hearing the voice of Jesus is that you're a sheep of the shepherd. All of his sheep have ears. Now, it may be that we've kind of been trained out of listening to the voice of Jesus. But when we consider our children, most certainly we want to train them in hearing the voice of Jesus. So how should we do that? Well, here in the text we have a great beginning. Eli does two things. He gives a process of invitation and a process of challenge. The process of invitation is relax, receive, report. Just go back to your bed, lie down, receive what it is that God's saying to you, and then just share it. We've, of course, raised uh, three children of our own, Sally and I, and um, they've all raised their own children. And one of the most important things that we felt we could ever do was to teach the children to hear the Lord. We didn't have to explain to them what we meant by that. Somehow, at a deeply intuitive level, they understood. We'd be praying with them in the evening, just spending those five minutes that Aaron spoke about. Maybe I would be reading a story of some kind, and then we would maybe just do a little Bible reading and a prayer. Maybe in the mornings when we all gathered around the table for breakfast, we would do what we called breakfast with God, where we would have a verse and then just share among ourselves what that verse meant. But all of it was to undergird the expectation that the children would hear God for themselves. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ, Paul says. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And so we want our children to have faith, faith that moves mountains. But of course, faith that moves mountains, even though it be as small as a mustard seed, is created by the word of God spoken to us. Of course, we undergird the living word within them by the written word without them. We undergird their capacity to understand and interpret what it is that God is saying to them by learning the stories of Jesus and by reading the scriptures. And of course, in time, as they become teenagers and adults, they're able to do that themselves. They're able to carry the load of that responsibility themselves. But of course, as they become more and more familiar with the written word of God, so they become more capable of discerning the living word of God resident within them. So what invitation do you give to your children? I think relax is a great one. Relax. Everybody can do it. It's a normal faculty of a believer. 
we were talking to a, a couple here in Apex last night, Sally and I, uh, and the, the wife said she just lays her hand on their chest, on their heart, and says, and what's Jesus saying to you? That's great. Just ask them. You'd be amazed how quick they are to respond, how ready they are to report what it is that Jesus is saying to them. We would make it a practice in our family to expect that God was speaking to and through our children so that if there were any important moments, if there were any important decisions, if there were things that we felt we needed to attend to as a family, we asked the children, what was God saying to them personally? Maybe, maybe we were moving in our mission to some other location. We never moved. You might find this surprising. We never moved to any new location unless God gave confirmation to each of our children, however young. Do you think we should move to that new place? Well, I'll go and ask Jesus, says our three-year-old. And as we moved, it was an interesting kind of process for us. The first time we moved from inner city London where we'd been working amongst an under-resourced community, often of struggling single mothers, as so often is the case in inner city communities, we sensed that the Lord was calling us to a location all the way across the Atlantic in a state called Arkansas in a city called Little Rock. And as we prayed, we sensed that God was saying, do it. And each of the children got a sense of confirmation. But Becky, our eldest, felt somewhat burdened. She said, I do think it's right, but I do feel sad. And we said, darling, what do you feel sad about? She says, well, I'm leaving all my friends behind. Stephen Curtis Chapman, at the time, had a song called Friends of Friends Forever. She used to play it all day and every day. She wore out the cassette tape. And when we left her dear friend Emily, it was a sad moment. But the reason that she had faith was because God had given her a picture of a friend. A friend who would be in her school or in her church and when she saw her face, she'd know who that was immediately. And she described this person to us, I don't know, what, she's six, seven? One of those two, seven. And, um, and we get there the first day, she goes to school the first day, she comes back and she says, I found her. I remember at one time, Sam was maybe 10 years old, we were working in Sheffield, we were back from uh, Arkansas, and uh, we were living there in the north of England, seeing this wonderful work of God take place. And people would come from time to time to see what it was that we were doing, and sometimes they would add to our life and help us and give us some consultation. And one particular man, uh, a pastor from Chicago, here in the United States, came over and was having breakfast with us one morning, and um, we just went round the table and just said, so, you know, has the Lord been saying anything to anyone? And Sam, our 10-year-old, said, 
Well, I was praying for Pastor Steve, and I got this picture. And then he described this picture to Steve, who (laughs) was from a charismatic tradition, Uh, but he said, with open-mouthed wonder, he said, I don't think I've ever had such a clear prophecy for my life as the one Sam just shared. Sam didn't understand the interpretation. He was simply sharing what it was that he heard because in the process of invitation and challenge, just relax, Jesus lives within you. He will speak to you and the challenge, share it, let other people interpret it and put it into practice if it's something that applies to your life. Through that process, even as young children, the muscle of hearing grew in them. Each of the kids would come with me on a mission trip each year. Uh, They got to look at the itinerary for the new year and they would choose which one they wanted to go for. Sometimes there were a few squabbles as to which one would take the most exotic place. I remember one year, Uh, Libby went to Switzerland, Um, Becky went to Denmark and Norway, and Sam, at the age of 11, went to New Zealand. And um, they they thought it was cool that they could kind of do this fun stuff with their dad. And I thought it was cool that they could engage in mission and be valuable members of the team. It was great fun for me to discover that the team had voted Sam, the 11-year-old, as the prophet to the team. And so each morning, we would gather for prayer and get ready to do the work of mission that we were doing that day. And they would say, okay, Sam, what's the Lord said? And he'd share with them just what it was that God was saying to him. Now, of course, they're adults and they're raising their own children and they're just as familiar with hearing the Lord as they were as young children. When you hear this, When you hear this, my great prayer, my great concern for you is that you feel the encouragement, the inspiration of ordinary kids with ordinary parents and not the condemnation or shame that you feel because you haven't done this yet. Let me tell you, if you have adult children, start now. If you have teenage children, start now. If you have little children, start now. If you're an older sibling with younger siblings, start now. If you're an adult in the church, if you're responsible for younger ones in any way, and surely all of us are in some way or another, start now. So many of us who are grandparents realize that we maybe look back and can see the places where we missed it as parents. And of course, there's no condemnation. God is able to redeem all things and he's able to mend all circumstances. But so often that impulse of the grandparent that you see here in Eli is to do better with the generation of grandchildren than we did with the generation of children. Eli 
unfortunately missed it with his own kids. He indulged them, and in his indulgence, they became wayward. But he did a much better job with his grandson, Eli. Because Eli was the last of the judges and the prophet who would anoint King David. What an amazing task and call that is. So as you think about what it is that you want for your children's life, let me, let me conclude with these few words. And when I say conclude, it's a short sermon today because one of the things I want to do is um, a little risky at the end here. I want to open it up for questions. So we're going to get the microphone going round and all of that. And we'll spend five or ten minutes at the end uh, just looking at questions. But what is it that you want for your children, for your grandchildren? What is it that you want for the children of this church? Let me just read to you what it says here at the end of this passage. Eli has raised Samuel in the fear of the Lord. He has raised Samuel in an invitation and challenge culture. Eli, though he missed it, with the first generation, has caught it with the next generation. And this is what it says. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, the words of Samuel were fruitful. They were not like seeds that were tossed to the ground, ungerminated, lost to posterity. The things that Samuel was given by God to say and do produced something. Surely, we want our children to be fruitful. Look what else it says. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Recognition is a, is a complex thing in our world. Maybe we really don't long for them to be internet influencers. But what is it that we're asking that our children are recognized for? What it is that, of course, Samuel is recognized for is a life of significance. A life of significance. I remember an old, old lady. I, I really don't know how old she was by the time I met her, but she was well into her late 70s, early 80s. She was, she was barely able to see. She struggled with hearing. And she wasn't really able to venture much outside of her house because she just found it difficult to walk. The local health service in Sheffield had given her a help dog, not the ones that you see on aeroplanes that really aren't helping anyone, but, but a Jack Russell, a Jack Russell that could put the washing into, into the machine and take it out again. 
I mean, seriously, this dog was amazing. It had a higher IQ than me. I mean, it was like, what are you doing? This dog, I mean, it would answer the telephone. I mean, it was amazing. It, seriously, it did answer the telephone. It picked up the phone and brought it to her. It's just incredible, this, this dog. And it used to rush around doing all kinds of different things. And uh, she said to me one time, she said, would you like to come to our bath mat evening? I said, bath mat evening? What's that, Hilda? She said, well, you know that the children come round to my house once a week. I said, well, yeah, I, I think I've heard that, yeah. Now, she lived in a, a little council um, bungalow, a single-story house that was tiny, tiny, tiny. And she said, I, you, you can come round. The pulpit is the bath mat. And uh, we put the bath mat in the strategic place in one of the rooms, and you can stand there, and all the rooms will be full of children, and so you'll just have to reach your head around the corners to speak to them about Jesus. I thought, this is something to see. So I went to her house. I couldn't get in because of the children. They, they had to make a way for me. I mean, how many children were in that house? And all she did was, was play the piano. They sang old choruses. She taught them a story about Jesus. And then she would invite from time to time local pastors to come and stand on the bath mat and share a word. A life of significance. We want our children to be fruitful. We want our children to have a significant life. And then finally it says this, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word and Samuel's word came to all Israel. Here's the thing. If you will train yourself and your children to hear the Lord, you'll never question the presence of the Lord. And if you never question his presence or his capacity to speak to you, your life will be a life that is undergirded with a spiritual confidence that will carry you on into the future and your children also. So if you want your children to be fruitful, if you want your children to have a significant and secure life, then teach them to hear the voice of God and train them in how to put it into practice. So we've got a few minutes, um, maybe five or six. Let's, um, let's see if there are any questions that we can cover whilst we're here. Because there may be some practical kind of application things that you're thinking about as you're listening to this that maybe you want to just talk about. You have to indicate in the normal fashion. I can't see all of the hands from here, but certainly not up there in the cheap seats because the lights are on, I can't see you. You running? Oh, there's a hand. Oh, it's two at the back. Oh, no, it's, yeah, Chris, you're, just, you're indicating for your neighbor there, Chris. Thank you. 
I just want to know how you actually start that process. Great. Good question. So the way we start that process, or process, thank you for correcting my pronunciation there, um, is that you just do the thing that Aaron said at the beginning and just start with a very simple, predictable pattern. So the most important thing that we can do with our children in relation to their life as a person in general is to give them predictable patterns. Generally, the, the predictable patterns that most families develop are around mealtimes or around bedtime. So either at a mealtime or at a bedtime where you gather, use that as the opportunity to just begin to encourage. And the way that we do that is to share with them the things that God's been saying to us. And so we share with them the things that God's been saying to us. We maybe read a scripture to help encourage them along the way. And little by little, your children will be able to share what it is that they're hearing. It may be that it's easier for you to start with that little moment just before they go to sleep and just pray with them then because maybe if they've got brothers and sisters, they'll be a little shy to share what it is that God's saying. So maybe that's the moment. But little predictable patterns are the, are the key, I think. Does that help? Yeah. Is there anybody else? Great question, that one. Oh, there's a hand up. Did, you, did somebody... There's one... Up here, there it is. Hello. We're gonna have to. You're gonna have to go up there somehow. Can you do that? Does the microphone work up there, Andrew? Does it? You don't know. We're gonna find out right now, aren't we? Okay. How many steps did you do today? If you had your Apple Watch, you'd be able to tell you. Oh, thank you for moving over there. You didn't make a climb all that way. Thank you. Okay. Go for it. Thanks. Okay. So. I don't have kids. Yeah. I'm a youngest sibling, so I don't really have anybody who I necessarily have responsibility for, yeah. like in terms of younger people. But I was wondering how might I be able to take what we've learned today and apply it to sort of myself? Like how do I start practicing listening? Yeah, great question. Okay, so when you look at this text here, you see that Samuel heard the word of the Lord, but the word of the Lord came in at least three different ways. He saw something. The Lord came and stood beside him as a vision, we're told in the text. He heard something. The Lord spoke to him particular words that he could record and then report to another person. And it said he felt something. Actually, he felt a, a deep concern, a, a kind of an anxiety, a fear that what he was going to share would really unsettle Eli. So this is tremendously important because all of our children and we ourselves are wired differently. Different personalities engage with the world in a different way. And God has created you as an instrument to communicate with him and for him to communicate with you. Now, when you observe human communication, and people have been doing this for a long time now, almost every study that we've ever seen indicates that human beings communicate mostly in nonverbal ways. 
Somewhere between 70 and 80% of our communication is nonverbal. In other words, even as you're listening to me now, you're watching the movement of my face, you're listening to the intonation of my, of my voice, you're noticing that my hands move, as my mother used to say, I'd be deaf and dumb without my hands. There's this, there's this whole thing that we're doing, which is communication. And of course, God created us principally to communicate with him and with one another. And so we should naturally expect that God will communicate with us in many different ways. A friend of ours from a Bible study that I'm part of on a Sunday evening is in Alaska right now and sent a photograph of a rainbow that she said God spoke to her through yesterday. You see, God will speak to you through a multiplicity of different ways. And as you read the scriptures, you'll become more familiar with the vocabulary and the syntax of his word. As you become familiar with the scriptures and as you read the scriptures regularly, so you will be immersed, saturated in the written word so that you can hear the living word spoken to you more effectively. And he will speak to you in what you see, in what you hear, and in what you feel and experience. So, here's a start for this young gentleman who asked me a moment ago. At the end of the day, just assume that God has been speaking to you all day and write some of those things down. And then the next day, allow those to be prayer topics for you to carry you through the next day. And don't say, well, I don't know whether it's God. Just write them down. And you'll be amazed how much of it will be applicable. And as you become more confident and share those with other people, you'll find that the New Testament teaching becomes real for you, which is that one person may hear, but the community will interpret. And so other people will add to your understanding of what it is that God's saying as they help you to interpret the revelations that you, that you hear. I hope that's helpful. One last question, if we've got one. Still up there? I'll project my voice. Oh, go for it. Okay. Um, I have grandchildren. Yeah. And what would you recommend if I'm met with abject silence? I bring this up, I ask them what they hear or however I approach it, yeah. and I get nothing. Sure. So uh, persistence might be one answer. So th this gentleman here, for those of you who are at home online, was asking about his grandchildren, and, and he is greeted with silence when he asks this, this question, you know, what's the Lord saying to you? There are a couple of things, I think, that we need to be thinking about. One is, as we pray for our grandchildren and our children, as I, I'm sure you do, we're praying that they become familiar with the ways in which God might communicate with them. So begin to ask your grandchildren... What experiences of life do they remember as the most remarkable? Do they, do they remember a, a family vacation on the beach when they saw the sun go down one night? Do they remember the time when there was a great storm that came through their city and they, they saw the trees broken and the, and the boughs bent? Was there a moment when there was a great snowfall and they really enjoyed themselves and, 
and ask them, do you think God was saying anything to you in that moment? You see, sometimes we need to start with the big things and then move to the small things so that, so that we kind of get a big picture of the world that God is using to communicate to us the things that he wants to say, like his faithfulness. He wants to communicate to us his presence and his capacity to always be near us. Starting in those places is a good place to start and then maybe drill down into what it is that God might be saying to them today. So start with the big moments in their life, what the, what the New Testament in New Testament Greek would call a kairos moment. Start with the big moments and then move to the smaller things. But secondly, the most important thing that we can do is to offer a model that others can imitate. And so maybe there's something that God has said to you that has convicted you and you need to apologize to your children or grandchildren. I don't know of any more powerful method of speaking to our friends, to our family's hearts than actually saying the things that God has spoken to us and responding to them by way of an apology. Children remember those things forever. Model it by saying, this is what I think God's been saying to me and this is what I'm going to do about it. Those kinds of moments when you model to your children and your grandchildren how it is that you're hearing and how it is that you're responding are probably more important than anything else. Well, it's been great fun being with you today. Thank you very much. My encouragement to all of you today is to remember that sheep have ears and that the shepherd is always speaking to his sheep. Just remember, when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, he doesn't put any qualifications on that statement. He doesn't say, you might hear his voice. He doesn't say, in special moments you'll hear his voice. He doesn't say, if you're very good and do all of the right things, you'll hear his voice. He doesn't say, if you're in perfect relationship with all of your Christian brothers and sisters and all of your family, he doesn't say any of those things. He simply says, your sheep, I'm the shepherd, and I'm talking. The only question is, are we listening? Let's pray together.